Welcome everyone to House on Fire, an Austin Oaks Church Parenting Podcast, where we talk about all things parenting for every phase. Our desire is to help you raise the next generation to be simply about Jesus. And today I have Christy Wilson on with us. How are you doing, Christy? I'm doing well. Thanks for being on with us and excited for us to be able to chat it up. We do. We've, we've already been chatting it up for quite a while, yeah. so now this is the official time, I guess. Um, so, well, tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and any fun facts that um, uh, you would like to share with us. Okay. A little bit about myself. I am Christy Wilson. I'm 56 years old. I... Uh, work at Veritas Academy yeah. in Austin, Texas, which is a um, private Christian classical school. It's collaborative. And I've been there for uh, 13 years, 10 years I work there. I currently serve as the family ministries director there. Yeah. I have four kids, uh, all in college. <laughs> Sounds so, so expensive. <laughs> <laughs> so I pray for their frugality um, and I pray for God's provision on our family. Yeah. Um, okay. So we just had, so I've got a son who is entering his senior year at A&M. His name's Kobe. And I have triplet girls that just graduated last year. And they, one is at UNT and two are at ACC. And we're figuring out some things for them. Yeah. I have a, a, my husband is named John. We have a dog named Max. Um, that's our family. Yeah. And a fun fact, I took, piloting lessons when I was in college. Really? I always wanted to be a pilot. I had, uh, I, I also went to law school at my undergraduate degrees in English literature and language, but I, then I went to law school afterwards and I wanted to be a JAG, a JAG, judge advocate general. Yeah. And in the Navy and fly. And so I started taking pilot lessons and then figured out I have something called Meniere's disease, which is an inner ear imbalance. And okay. they're my pilot aspirations. Oh man. So now I teach at a private Christian school. <laughs> <laughs> that works, you know. Yes. So, but can you like fly at all? I get really nauseous. Like even when just I, when you like on commercial flights. Okay. I hate to fly. My, okay. I loved. I've always loved flying. I've always loved the um, the the idea of it, and I always wanted to be a pilot. And so my boyfriend, when I was eighteen, for my eighteenth birthday, my boyfriend arranged for me to go up in a Cessna, a little bitty Cessna. Wow. He had a fr friend and he hired that uh, pilot to take us both up in a Cessna and fly to this picnic spot That's for my awesome. 18th birthday. And so we took, a, and that was the first time I realized that I had a problem. Oh, wow. I started throwing up in that Cessna in the back <laughs> of it and there was nothing to throw up. And he, he looked over at me and my head was down and I was trying to find little nooks and crannies to <laughs> throw up in. And, and, and so then the guy landed and he had to say, look, my girlfriend just sort of threw up all over your Cessna. Thank you for taking us here. And he pushed me out onto the blanket at the picnic site and had to spend the whole time cleaning up the Cessna. Oh, man. And then I just laid on the picnic blanket the whole time. I couldn't <laughs> need anything. And then he had to get somebody to come back and drive us back. <laughs> oh, so, wow. Yeah. So that was the answer to your question is man. I have trouble flying. I now have to dope myself up pretty good. But I love to travel. So, yeah. Yeah. Man, okay. I hadn't. This is all new. I'm so yep, intrigued. I, I have a lot more questions <laughs> that I could take us down a rabbit trail, but I'll, I'll try to refrain. Okay. So, and we've actually had two of your daughters yes. on the podcast and your husband, actually. Yes. So, um, so anyway, so excited yep. to have you on today. So, yes. well, so our church has been in a, like a, a series. We talked about shame, guilt, uh, depression, anxiety. It's like a three week series. Mm -hmm. Like, and we titled it like, I'm not okay. Right. And so just the importance for like people to realize that there are some emotional 
issues right. and, you know, stresses and all those things that come with life. And so, and I know that, um, uh, at Veritas, you kind of were sharing just kind of some of your story right. and kind of some of the things that you were going through and right. you kind of came to a realization that kind of like, you're like, I'm not okay. Correct. And so t- tell us about that and just kind of how that kind of came to be. And, yeah. um, so we can encourage, uh, parents and other people listening, like to, yeah. to be okay with not being okay. Right. Um, the year 2020 for me really, uh, has bookends, um, in January and ending in December. And, uh, I, I have had a couple of major struggles with mental health in the past, specifically clinical depression. Um, they seem to be multifaceted. There's a hormonal component because they've each been around pregnancies or after pregnancy. So there's like a postpartum kind of thing, but it's usually not just that it seems to be, um, when there is a, a physical component like that, when there is a, uh, a, a stress, like there's relational stresses. So like the, I th- did I say three, three or four times I've had this struggle? Um, uh, so like one time was, you know, there were some physical things there were, my, uh, dad had died. So there's, there's some relational things, some traumatic yeah. things, some grief things, financial things. So when, when there is enough in my world, my physical world, my spiritual world, my mental world, and my emotional world, when Mm. there are enough significant weights bearing on those levers, then I have gone into a major clinical depression. And it is um, textbook. It's not anything at that point that I can get out of by myself. Um, It, it, it is, it's awful. It is, Physically, I can't sleep. I can't keep food down. Um, I can't, all I want to do is exit the planet and I can't stop thinking about that or praying about it. And I've never, I don't think I would have ever uh, committed suicide, but I was asked, um, you know, do you have a plan to commit suicide? And I said, no. And they said, how much do you think about that? And I said, I pray all the time every day for God to take me home. Mm. I would so much rather be home. And they said, yeah, that's good enough for us to to be concerned. (laughs) That qualifies. Yeah, because he didn't put you here on the planet to want you gone until he says, you know, it's time for you to be gone. So um, that's my preface is I have had this struggle before. It does seem to be not situational. It seems to be multifaceted. And it is, it, as far as I've gotten in this, it seems to be when there is enough weight on each of these, uh, I'll call them levers for lack of a better term. I'm not a mental health professional, so I'm probably not using this stuff right, but I'm describing my own experience. So then the year 2020 was the last time this happened. And of course that was the COVID year when it all started, that had some to do with it, but not all. Um, there were several things that happened that year that just really sent me further and further and further down. And the weird thing was, is I didn't actually know how bad I had gotten. Hmm. Uh, the, the, the hallmarks of that are you, you know, you can't concentrate your eating patterns have changed. Your sleeping patterns have changed. Your relational patterns have changed. You're irritable. You aren't yourself. Um, you, so, so you, if, if y'all have been talking about this, you know, these, yeah. uh, most, most people know these, um, but I was having some minor surgery that December and I went in to the office and I, it had been a while since I'd had any kind of physical assessment. And so I was filling out, uh, all of the intake forms and I had not, um, 
I hadn't had blood work. I hadn't had anything in a long time. So I had to have this comprehensive, especially during COVID. I was during the COVID era. So I was filling out all of these assessments and one of them was a mental health assessment and I flunked and they said, this is serious. You, you have scored so badly. It's called the Beck scale. You've scored so badly that you might need to be hospitalized. And I said, no, I don't want that. But they said, you need to take this seriously. So, so I did. And Ended up spending significant time over Christmas, the Christmas holiday, uh, really pressing into that. And I did it in multiple ways. There were a lot of things that I tried that didn't work. And um, I won't tell you everything unless you want to know. You can keep asking me questions about it. But that was the turning point. So then 2021 started with me working my way out and God bringing me out. And I will tell you the turning point, interestingly, was spending... A significant time, I think it was 10 days maybe, fasting and in prayer. Um, Before that, I had actually been to two significantly focused prayer sessions. There Mm -hmm. are deliverance ministries around, and that was one thing I tried, where you go and you spend all day, and they kind of go back through your history, and they try to break strongholds, and they all kinds of stuff. Are you familiar with those kinds of things? Yes, I am. Okay, so I had been to two of those separate times. They had not really helped. I'd been to counseling. That had not really helped. Um, I had, it wasn't until I had the physical piece figured out, which turned out to be a vitamin deficiency, hormone deficiency, and excuse me, um, and then uh, the spiritual piece. Uh, I had been praying, reading books by, like Charles Spurgeon had a lot of trouble with this. Yeah. I think Dwight Moody had a lot of trouble mm-hmm. with this. Wesley, maybe, like old fathers of the faith, because yeah. you really <clears throat> feel like, you 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 have thoughts and or I won't say you. I had many thoughts and feelings along the lines of if if you're a Christian, what what is wrong here? This is mm. not matching with the abundant life I've been promised. Yeah. Um. And so I was trying to read about other people and how they John Piper. I read a lot of how how they'd gotten out of it. Um. Some people never do. Some people manage this. It could yeah. be a thorn in the flesh. I had yeah. to accept that. So uh, I prayed and fasted that seemed to be a turning point and then medically i pressed in and figured out what was going on um tried to uh, take a lot better care of myself get better rest uh, walk every day get out in the sunshine um just very simple kind of micro habits type of things and it so it wasn't an easy fix it's ongoing but i'm a lot better but it's still very much ongoing and I paid a price. My family paid a price. And those are years the locusts have eaten. And I'm to this day praying that somehow that can be used to help other people because it was, it was awful. Yeah. And when, when you say like you paid a price, like for yourself and your family, like, what do you mean by that? I'm like, I, I could make a lot of assumptions, but like, mm-hmm. like what, what, what do you mean specifically by that? I think that there was a lot of relational damage that I did because mm-hmm. I, uh, I withdrew I was irritable. I was not acting like myself. I was not acting, and in some cases, not acting professionally at work. Not acting like a, uh, not acting in a healthy way in my family. Um, when my my girls, one of them at one point said they, it was their senior year in high school, and so at one point, one of them said, "Why are you spending our senior year in bed?" Hmm. And so that was damage. That I can't yeah. ever get that time back. Um, they interpreted it as uh, laziness, as um, escape, as um, 
not caring for them. And all that was true. I was not caring for them, but, and uh, however, I want to, I don't want to cast, this is something I've had to come to terms with. I couldn't control this. I didn't choose it, but I was dang sure going to do everything in my power to manage it. Mm -hmm. I don't know at this point that it will ever be something that I'm free of, but I know how to manage it mostly well. And I know to stay away from being overloaded or if, if multiple things are happening at the same time on all those fronts, then I need to be careful. Yeah. So I won't say that I can, um, I've been cured and God could take this away. Um, but I know it's my responsibility to manage it. And that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, for sure. For Did sure. I answer your question yeah, about no. how I paid a price? Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, I could imagine that how, how have like, like I'm assuming it created some tension with, you know, you and your husband and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I could imagine, you know, going through this and like, I, I would make a lot of assumptions mm-hmm. and probably say a lot of things to my wife that would, um, may or may not be true. And right. so I'm assuming it created some tension there and, mm-hmm. you know, with you and your husband and obviously the kids you talked about and, and what like, did you, what like certain feet, I mean, not necessarily feelings, but like, were you feeling guilt or shame or like, I'm like the only one, I can't believe this is me. Yes, like all that, all, all of that, all of that. Yes. It did, uh, what helped with those thoughts? Cause I mean, I, I know for, for a fact, I remember one time in high school, uh, I told a friend of mine, I'm like, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill myself. Yep. Like, and I had no intention, like, right. and even looking back, I mean, I was like, I was going through a pretty rough time. I don't remember all the things that we're going through, mm-hmm. but, but I actually remember the, like, uh, the counselor, somebody mm-hmm. at, ch- at, uh, almost at church, but at, at, uh, school was like, Hey, just, you know, somebody mentioned that you had said this and I'm like, Oh, and I'm like, Oh no, I'm like, I'm fine. Like, you know, and, and I mean, there were some things going, and I don't, I don't recall me saying that because like, I felt like I needed attention. I don't think that was what it, I think it was just kind of like, you know, just going through a rough time and you just kind of say stuff and I'd have a plan or anything like that. But, um, so there was some things that I was thinking even that time, like I'm, I'm dumb, I'm a loser. I don't have what it takes, you know, all these things that right. guys, so, so like what helped with those things? Specifically what helped with the thinking patterns? Yeah. Okay, so this is going to take me back to when I was a kid. I learned somewhere along the way to write Bible verses on index cards. Yeah. And I learned at a very young age, probably somewhere in middle school. I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up with great Christian parents and great Christian mentors. Super fortunate. I was telling my leadership class today this. Uh, so I was helping teach a leadership class at, at school today, and as the fir- at the first part of the class, we recited scripture, and they they are required to memorize mm-hmm. scripture, and they're required the, the particular scripture that they're required to memorize right now is one thirty nine, Psalm one thirty nine, and the first two or three verses they've got so far, and so um, we recited it, and we recited it in very much the sing song reciting voice that I I know is just. Their yeah. mouths moving and their vocal cords vibrating, and that's about it, right? Yeah, yeah. So I told them, and we read it twice, and I said, what does this verse, what do these verses mean to you? Of course, there's silence. These were ninth through 11th graders. Yeah. Of course, there's silence. And I said, let me tell you what it means to me. Um, and, I, and I told them, I said, I went through years of doing what you just did, of memorizing Bible verses, of going to Awana, of... And, and it didn't mean very much to me at the time. And I have, I have friends that say it was nothing but dry bones. It was, mm-hmm. it was just rote uh, memory. 
And I said, but I want to tell you guys that when I read this, these verses right now that I memorized when I was your age or younger, that God has brought those verses back to me in the last year because Psalm 139 is, um, I'm going to, I don't have it memorized and I shared along with them, but it talks about basically where can I go where you are not? Yeah. Where can I go? I can't go anywhere that you are not Lord. Mm -hmm. I I, I can't, you can go to the high, I I can go to the highest mountaintop or the highest heavens. You'll be there, but the deepest sea and you'll be there. Mm -hmm. And I read somewhere along in here, I read, um, Corey Ten Boom's the hiding place again. Mm -hmm. And she talks about, uh, in the concentration camp when her sister was dying, that her sister said, you need to get out of the concentration camp and you need to tell people and they, they will believe you because you've now been in the darkest pit and mm. you've seen people dying left and right. And you've seen inhumanity and, and cruelty and God seemingly being silent and not there and not rescuing us. And she said, you get out and you tell them that there is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper. Still there's yeah. no place so dark that his light does not shine. And so I told them that story uh, just today. And I said, this is what that Psalm means to me. Um, and I, and I think I had their attention when I told this story and it became more than just the rote memory. Yeah. So your the answer to your question is at a young age, I learned to write scripture on index cards. And to this day, I have a spiral little, you know, three by five stack. And I write the verses that, um, mean something to me. And I've, I tried to do it in a more organized way. Like these are verses on fear. These are verses on yeah. uh, money. These are verses on being a good mom or whatever. And and for whatever reason, I, I don't ever get very far on that because my organizational <laughs> skills aren't the best. So what I usually do is I'm reading um, through, I either read through a chronological Bible or a one-year Bible, the one-year Bible that has the um, uh portion from the old testament the portion from mm-hmm. the new testament the psalm and the proverbs yeah um that one i found in my mom's things after she died and i just i literally picked it up and i was like i would never seen this organization i like it yeah um but my chronological bible has been the one i liked up until now and just because i think it's interesting to read it historically oh i, I agree yeah and so all, all i do is when i come across a verse i write it down in my little index card and it Mm. started even in genesis with the i think it's genesis 2 maybe i can't i can't remember but the first verse in my index card stack is uh sin is crouching at your door Mm. is talking to cain and um i think god is talking to cain and he says um because cain is jealous of abel and he says sin is crouching at your door you must master it or it will master you i'm paraphrasing a little bit i used to have it memorized but um i keep that i keep those verses uh, mostly with me. I write them down. I revisit them a lot. This is a, this is a very childlike response, <laughs> but I don't know that I'll ever get away from the habit of just reciting scripture in my yeah. mind or reading it and reminding myself that that is objective truth, that my own feelings and thoughts are not. And even when they are polar opposite, what is true is what's in the word. What is not true is what's in my head or in my heart or Mm. even in my environment, that that's the one thing I can count on as being true. And, you know, most people I think agree that our feelings come from our beliefs, stem from our beliefs. And so if I can continue to bolster my beliefs then, and with, with truth, then I think eventually my feelings will 
come in line. Yeah. That's what I've been told. <laughs> Sometimes still waiting. I, I, yeah. I think uh, God's view of us is more important than our own view of ourselves. Right. And so, um, yeah, the pa- uh, I looked it up here. I did not have it memorized just to clarify okay. for those listening, but it is. Uh, we would have never known. You could have just. <laughs> I, I was yep. flipping through pages, you know, just. Um, so it is, yeah, Cain and Abel. And so I'll, I'll read verse six and seven. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? In verse seven, if you do well, uh, you will not. Uh, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Mm-hmm. So, man, what a fascinating passage. Well, and I've studied that because that was the first one that I wrote down in my index card. And I was like, what does it mean that he will be accepted? What does it mean that his face is downcast? What what power? And I was reading it in the context of what power do I have over this condition? Hmm. What power do I have? If if I'm really given the power of God and the power of the spirit and the power of prayer and all these kinds of things, and yet I'm not seeing them work in my life, where's the breakdown? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. How has, uh, this, like, I'm assuming, because you've been fairly open in my understanding about kind of things that you're going, which I I love transparency. I think I'd rather get in trouble for transparency than hiding stuff. I just, that's just my motto, but it also gets me in trouble sometimes. So, um, which I'm okay with. So, um, but I'm assuming this has helped. Uh, other people have asked questions, you know, cause this is not, Golly, that, yes. I wouldn't say it's a taboo subject, but a little bit, but it, it, yeah, it's, it's like something like, you know, like still got a stigma. Yes. Yes. And, um, and I don't know if necessarily that's because it's, it's very complex and difficult and, um, but I think it's just, it's not a visual thing. Like I remember when a friend of mine in college, he had back issues. Mm-hmm. Um, we were, we put, both played on the basketball team and I was like, man, you're like, you're a sissy. Like, I don't know what you're talking mm-hmm. about. Cause it's not like his arm was cut off or bleeding or whatever. Right. And then I remember the first time I tweaked my back and I was like, oh, I now get it. Mm-hmm. Like, and I always, I, I always wished like, and it started hurting on and on and on. And part of me I always wished I'm like, you know, I actually wish I had a scar that like showed that this was reality for me. Right. And, you know, I wasn't like making it up or anything, but I was like, man, this is like a pain in the rear. But so just, it's not as uh, cut and dry, I guess. And so how has the Lord kind of used this and redeemed this, I guess, so to speak, in your conversations with other people? God uses broken people. He uses messy situations. He seems to thrive in those. I'm thankful for that. He uses sharp tools to shape us. Hmm. Um, Yeah. I, I told the story at school that I was laying on the couch the night before the girls went to college. Um, thinking back over the last year and with a lot of regret and a lot of sadness mm-hmm. and thinking I did a disservice to my own children their senior year in high school to not have been a better mom in many ways. And I was really down about it, trying to pray through it. Can't change it, Lord. Offer it to you. Can you redeem it? Um, I will accept the consequences for it. Mm-hmm. Can you help me accept the consequences for it? I know that the family is a God-ordained institution, and you want to bless us and strengthen us. How, yeah. do, how do we get there? And my girls had been, um, instead of packing that they should have been, instead of doing the packing they should have been. I'm launch, laughing because I've, I've, this has been an ongoing yes. thing that I've been oh, aware of for six oh, yeah. years. So anyway, sorry, keep he's, going. He's, he's for you people out there. He's, he's, <laughs> Lucas has been a recipient of my girls showing up on youth group trips with one of them completely prepared and the other one flying in sweaty with things still hanging out of her bag. I and love it. Yes. It's, it's awesome. They yeah. always made it. So they, it's well, yeah, <laughs> for the most part, Well, that pattern was still continuing because why, you know, break a, why break a 
why, why break it? I, I, I'm floundering because I want to say if it's not broke, don't fix it. But it's clearly broken and we haven't fixed it. But why fix it it's not, before you go into college? Yeah, so. it's not perfect. We'll fix yeah. it later. You okay. Know? So um, they came in, you know, they're supposed to be packing. They're out with their friends instead because this is the last yeah. time I'll ever see whoever. And so they come in, they come in with their friends. And uh, two of their friends came in and said, Mrs. Wilson, I, and I said, girls, I I just want you to know I love you and I'm going to miss you and I want you to always be part of our life. Hmm. And they said, uh, one of them, her name was Sarah, said, will you be my mentor in college? And I said, are you, are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> and she said, absolutely. And then one of them uh, said, I will never forget that you told us this year that um, God uses sharp tools to shape us. And hmm. that has helped me very much. And so those two girls coming in that night who weren't my own girls, gave me a little bit of a glimpse that God might be able to redeem some of this. Um, so I, when, when I talked to our teachers at in service, I typically give, I'm responsible for, for our, uh, we call it our student uh, care team. Mm -hmm. And it, it does cover mental health and we're not, we don't have a school counselor and a huge uh, foundational belief of our school is that we keep parents primary and that includes over their mental health. And that even includes in high school, we want the parents to be the primary caretakers of their children. And, and that changes from being a caretaker of a, a preschooler to a caretaker of a, a senior in high school. But we always want to make sure again, they are the parents that God put them there and gave them their children and he gave the children these parents and we don't ever want to usurp that. And so we're always trying to set parents up as best we can. And yet the reality is, is that we have lots of mental health issues among yeah. teenagers and among faculty and among staff. And these issues aren't very well talked about. And so I usually give a pretty standard little talk to them about how we handle mental health issues at our school and where you go and what to do and how we handle those as responsibly as a school and how to direct, how to involve the parents and all that kind of stuff. And I felt that I was supposed to share my story. That was t frightening to me. I had not mm -hmm. told hardly anybody <clears throat> this. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so I had that feeling that you get, I think when God's convicting you to do something that kind of relentless won't leave you alone kind of feeling yeah. and gotten to that little bit of a tug of war where it's like, nah, this is, uh, I'm too afraid of giving up my authority or making myself too vulnerable or compromising what people think of me, all that kind yeah. of stuff. So you're in that, I was in that, um, back and forth with myself and God, and it was a little bit relentless. I want you to do this. So, um, if you're going to do this, I think it's important that it's be it, it's done carefully and well because I didn't want to cast myself as a victim. I wanted to make sure I mm. took responsibility for it and I didn't blame or absolve myself from, Hey, it was a terrible coworker last year. Oopsie. I, you know, yeah. had other things. I wanted to take responsibility for it. Um, but I also, um, wanted to let, I wanted to let people know my story and I didn't want to overshare. So there was a lot I didn't share. Yeah. So I very prayerfully did this. And I, to this day, I don't know. That was one of the most frightening things I've ever done. Mm. I'm not typically transparent. 
um, with very many people at all. And so I, so I did it. I did it to a large group of people. And the conversations that have resulted, I'm pretty sure, are the answer at least partially to why I was called to do that. Yeah. Because they, um, I've had several people come in and say, had you not shared what you did, I would not. Um, I had one lady today text me and say, I've been living in fear and anxiety for years and I just thought I had to and I've never wanted to admit it. Mm. And would you direct me to somebody who you think could be helpful in a counseling capacity? And so I did that. She wouldn't have come otherwise. I've had significant conversations with probably six or seven people who wouldn't have come otherwise. And again, I'm not a counselor, but I can now at least let my story be offered up yeah. um, in humility to say there's hope. And if, because you don't have hope if you're in this situation, I didn't. And I only had one person in my life say there is hope and I will carry it for you until you can realize the truth of that again yourself. And that person carried that hope for me through that whole year. And um, so I, offer this story just to, I guess, give other people hope, but also not hold out false hope. Mm-hmm. Um, God does not promise us easy paths. Yeah. He, the, the fruit that he's brought out of this is incredible. He has sh- sharpened and honed me into something that I could not have been or would not have been otherwise yeah. uh, without these hard things things and I can tell that to other people and my it, it it I don't I would never want it to be used as just kind of a group therapy thing like um oh yeah I understand this too it should always be used as yes I understand this and yet you persevere you keep going you press in you get help when and where needed and when you um I had I tried wacky things to try and I just wanted out. I was so miserable. So like there was, um, experimental ketamine treatment that was going around for a while. I think it's actually helped a lot of people. And I paid thousands of dollars to go at five in the morning and get these ketamine infusions. That one didn't help me. Um, only, only attacking it spiritually didn't help me all the way. Only attacking it medically didn't help me all the way. Um, there was a, there's an experimental light therapy, uh, about light movement and eye movement, light, sorry, light flashing and eye movement that actually did help me, a Christian counselor. We got, I think, in two or three weeks further than I'd gotten in two years. And she was able to use this experimental therapy on me to um, sort of talk about some trauma. And the, the theory behind the therapy is just that it rewires your brain and gets it out of that um, is it the amygdala that gets you out of the fight, fight or flight mode, so. response yeah. mode? Because I'd been caught in that for two years, basically, is everything was fight or flight. And you can't think clearly when your brain's firing like that. And so that helped me. That doesn't help everybody. So um, yeah, I think it, it's opened the door to conversation where I'm not the answer to things, but I can be, a, I can add value to the conversation and I can give a little bit of hope and I can at least hopefully help people find a next step. And if maybe they're misstepping some, give other suggestions and just say, just keep 
going. Even if yeah. it means that you're not going to be <clears throat> cured and you just manage it, just keep going. And the big thing is, is that you're right. There is a, there is still a stigma around this, not nearly as much as there used to be, but what I'm finding right now is that we either, I think we've almost gone to the point where we, as a matter of fact, I know we have over celebrate over. Oh yeah. Over, uh, you use this overly as an excuse. Everything is depression. Everything is anxiety. And in, in so doing, we've weakened our fabric. Mm. Uh, um, we weaken the fabric of our soul and of our minds because we are made to be resilient people in a broken world. Yeah. Um, so uh, we either do, I think we've either done that or we still don't give it its full um, appreciation. So when somebody genuinely has these struggles that they've come up against, like me, and they're trying over and over to to just say you just need to pray or you just need to pull yourself out of it, is to to recognize that sometimes that's not what's going on. Yeah. Um, so either one of those extremes isn't good. I don't know exactly where the right place to land on this is, but I'm. I think the conversation is open now and that's why I'm in it is to say, and, and honestly, that's Let me finish my sentence. That's why I'm in the conversation is to say, this is a path that I've had to walk down. This is a path that God allowed in my life. This is how I've walked down it. And really this isn't so different than any path that God asks you. That's hard. Hmm. There is, you know, there are still, assumptions and perceptions and stigmas around it. Um, but as a Christian, it's just my life. And, and yeah. at that point I became willing to be transparent because we are called to share our stories and to let other people see our lives and walk ahead of them. And, and that is the older women taking care of younger women and, and mentoring. And mm-hmm. so this is, this is part of my story and I would love to use it for anyone who it helps. Um, if it, if it offends or I'm oversharing, then eat the meat and spit out the bones and (laughs) you know, that's okay. But I, I have seen, uh, yeah, I've seen a lot of good come from it. Yeah, for sure. Well, one thing I love is not many people take ownership. Um, in my experience, Mm -hmm. oftentimes it is, well, he made me do this. She, I'm this way because of this external thing in my life instead of just saying, well, like owning our part of it, which is really the only, the part that we can, right. Like I can't, I can't change somebody else the way that they react to me or treat me. You can take care of you. Yeah. Like I'm like, I've been intrigued that I've thought about this since having kids. Like, I don't think I'm going to stand before God one day. And I don't think the Lord's going to say, okay, Lucas, how did other people treat you? You know, or I think the question is going to be similar to like, Lucas, what did you do with your life? Right. Like, it, it, It's a moment where it's about, okay, this is about me and what I've done or have not done and my sins that will be burned up. And as first Corinthians three talks about and all that. And so I just, I don't think Christ is going to ask me, so Lucas, you know, I know so-and-so is really mean to you. So I'm just going to let that one sin slide. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like it, it's, that's not how I think the Lord operates with this. And so I just love that when people take ownership and then I think it just helps us to continue to pursue what the Lord has and desires for us instead of blaming other people. And so, um, I'm also 
a huge fan of Chaco and extreme yes. ownership. And right. so I know there's a, uh, you're familiar with that as uh-huh. well too. So just, I think about that all the time. Um, are, you, are you familiar with uh, Jim Elliott, old missionary? Yes, I am. Okay. Yes. Uh, he's my, one of my heroes of the faith as his wife, more so than him, Elizabeth Elliott. I, I think she's fallen somewhat out of popularity and was perceived, has been perceived lately as being way too, um, I don't know, uh, uh, I'm trying to, I'm searching for the right word. Um, she, she was, she had no hesitation in saying what was right, yeah. what was wrong, yeah. what was biblical, what was not. And that's not so popular lately. Oh, it's not. It, right. Yeah. But she made a huge impact on me and, uh, she had a saying, I read a, a, I've read several of her books, but one thing that she used to say a lot was, um, that you can offer up to God anything in an act of, and I don't know if I'm going to get this word right. I think the word is oblescence. Oblescence. Are you familiar with that word? I'm not. Mm-mm. I'm probably mispronouncing it, but the word means that you offer up to God what you have just as it is, um, all that it is, mm. and without, without any reservation, even your suffering even your mistakes. And so that act of surrender served me well. So I continued to offer up to God, God, this is, this is my story. I wouldn't have chosen this. I would have much rather had a um, neat and tidy testimony or say that I struggled with busyness or that I struggled with, um, you know, something that sounds that's much more palatable and you know i struggled with not taking ticking every box on the proverbs 31 (laughs) woman list i'm so you know yeah so i wouldn't have chosen this but this is what i have and so this is what i now can offer back in an in a uh, gesture of obedience i think it's a blessing i can't remember i'll look it up but um this is yours now so my daily prayer time has this element in it which is, God, I come to you. This, this is how my prayers go. I always start out, um, Heavenly Father, this is your daughter, Christy, because it reminds me that he's my father mm. and I'm his daughter. And I come to you just as I am, and I come to you um, giving you all that I have, all that I am, and all that I have to give you just as it is, even the depression, even the angry um, feelings that I had today towards this person. Even the good, you know, it's, and I'll, I'll go through good yeah. things and I'll go through bad things and I'll go through my personality, my wirings, my past, my future, everything, everything, everything is yours. You as the creator of this universe and as, uh, as the God of my life, take it and do something beautiful and redemptive mm-hmm. and creative and something that there's a word that I've learned lately called concatenation. I don't know if you know that word. Mm-mm. It means stringing together things in a, uh, in a way that produces a, uh, it's, it's like synergy, but it has a little bit of a creative element to it. So it's like stri- stringing things together in a way that is unexpected, that produces a result that is greater than each thing could have been by itself. And mm. that is somewhat surprising and beautiful and a little bit untamed. Yeah. And I keep thinking about that. Like take all of this. Mm. You are somebody who can actually redeem years locusts have eaten who can bring beauty out of ashes make these words that are in scripture make them true in my life and let this be part of that let this ugly messy chapter 
be part of the the knots on the back of this tapestry. Let them be used for the beauty on the front of it. And yeah. maybe I never see that. Mm. But I, he can't do that unless I tell the story and I'm willing to humble myself and take responsibility and take ownership. And um, again, wisely, nobody yeah. likes an overshare. For sure. Uncomfortable. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, right. there's a balance there, I guess, with it. Yep. So and not asking you to... For, you know, to speak for all people who have struggled or mm-hmm. in any way at all, but like, what would you encourage or, or say to uh, moms or parents or students that are uh, not okay? And I mean, obviously it looks very different for everybody, Correct. but like, so for, in your experience, mm-hmm. like what would, uh, like, what, what, <coughs> how would you encourage them for next steps? What I was told when I was sitting in that doctor's office and they were doing that panel and they uncovered this, um, sort of that when I flunked the mental health test, they said, you need to, for us to keep you out of the hospital, you need to tell your husband, you need to tell your pastor, and you need to tell your employer. There's a Christian doctor that I was, who was my primary care yeah. physician. And, because uh, I said, what do I do to stay out of the hospital? What do they, what do I do? And they said, you need to tell your husband, you need to tell your pastor, and you need to tell your um, employer. These are the people that you are most, that, that then can direct you from there. Hmm. So I started there. So to the um, people that know you most. Right. And so I told my employer and that was very difficult um, for a number of reasons. You know, you're going to cost yourself. You could cost yourself professionally. Oh, uh, yeah. You, you could. Um, I told um, Don Reed here at AOC. Yeah. And he guided me to some really good, um, that some spe- specific counseling that he thought would help me and it did he also guided me to get away Uh, I was suffering from severe burnout overwork for years and over being overextended uh, really in every way physically emotionally um spread too too far too thin and um nobody's again I take responsibility for that I'm in a job like you are that does not have inherent boundaries and Nobody's going to set those for me. And I think I spent too long feeling like I was a victim to that. Mm. And I realized, no, if God has given me this job and he has that, that was made clear. If God has given me this job, then he will give me the ability to manage it. And I need help doing that and setting better boundaries. But in order to serve people at crisis times that don't come in a normal nine to five work day, I need to manage the time that is manageable in a good way so that I can respond when I need to. And, yeah. and that has been, that's an ongoing challenge. Um, so he, he gave, he directed me to a, um, laity lodge quiet re- week retreat. Yeah. And I spent a week there this summer and really pressed into a lot of this stuff. And then he, he sent me to a counselor that was very specific on trauma that really helped. Um, and so then that was the pastor piece. Um, and then, uh, the employer piece, I told my employer and he was supportive and said, you get the help you need. And, uh, we, you know, we will work with what we have. Uh, we will just, you just need to let me know what you need. And then my, um, uh, husband was, he, he didn't understand, he doesn't understand it, didn't understand it, yeah. but, uh, you know, he's had to pay the price of it for years too. And so, um, He's, he was there and helped me work through it, and we're still working through a lot of that stuff. Yeah. So they, that's what I would say that was the advice given to me, and I found it to be, I found it to be difficult. It may sound 
it may sound weird that my husband didn't know, but he didn't. He just knew that I was laying around and mm. my children didn't know. I didn't want to yeah. admit this. I, I actually didn't know how bad it had gotten to say, I have this. And to speak those words was hard. It was an admission of failure on my part. I am. Mm. I was raised by parents and I'm, I, cont- I continue to find myself envir- in environments where grit and resiliency and self-sufficiency and hard work are highly valued and they are values, but sometimes they're overly valued yeah. and this is seen as weakness. And I had a hard time admitting that because of these values that are so deeply instilled in me. And I, I've come to realize that this broke me, but I am being put back together mm. stronger. There's Japanese art and I can't remember the name, but it's beautiful where they have take broken pots have you heard about this? I have not, no. They they take broken pots and they put them back together with gold and they it's an artwork and they it makes the pots stronger and it makes the bowls more beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I keep thinking back on that and, and that's become my prayer too. Let these broken pieces be somehow put back together with you, Lord, um, in a way that actually is stronger and more beautiful than it would have been otherwise. Yeah. So. Well, and oftentimes people ask me like, so Lucas, like, why do you like working with students? And I almost always answer the same way. Um, They're much more raw uh, than adults. And I almost always say, I feel like adults have to like, their spouse has to leave them. They have to lose their job. I think, I guess, I guess men specifically. And, you know, the kids have to hate them. The cat got ran over by the neighbor. And then they think about asking for it. Like that's when they then say, I should probably consider this yes. where students like cause everything is, is new. They haven't experienced it. They have a lot of history. So everything oftentimes feels like the world's coming to an end. Whereas like where somebody will look at a student and be like, well, like, you know, you just broke up with your boyfriend or girlfriend. It's not that big of a deal. But I'm like, well, to them it's a huge deal because they're thinking and feeling things they've never felt before. Right. Where adults, we've become numb to this. And so, so I feel like as adults, uh, we have PhDs in how to hide sin. Yes. Um, I'd agree. And so, and it, and it's one thing that frustrates me more than anything about adults. Mm -hmm. I just, I oftentimes just wish, and not that like, you know, as you're walking into church and somebody says, how you doing? And then you talk for 55 minutes about like your depression. That may not be that. No, we know that person and we don't, yeah, drawn to that person. Yeah. That may be like, you know what? You probably should just summarize, you know, please pray for me. Right. I'm struggling. Yes. And let's get coffee. Right. Like, I think, you know, (laughs) there's some parameters I think that are are better. Right. And so, but I do think that oftentimes, and we've talked about this in the series at church, just that like how we just, you know, we just say we're fine and we're okay and we're really not. And how we almost glamorize busyness. Mm -hmm. Like it's almost like even for a grown man. We we do glamorize busyness. And that is a okay sin even to be somewhat celebrated. That's, I'm I'm Mm going to step on toes by mm -hmm. saying that, but it's true. Yeah. And even glamorized. Correct. Um, but th- it always comes at a cost. Yes. Uh, and usually kids and family right. uh, pay that cost. Yeah. And so anyway, I say. They, I, I, they have for me. I've yeah. been guilty of that. So, yes. Yeah. And I, and, I, and I notice that tendency in myself and it just, I can't help but just want to encourage um, people. You're not alone. Like, you know, the church is here. There's awesome people to help. And. Um, uh, Don Reed's one of my favorite guys in the Me world. I, I always say to myself, if you're mad at Don Reed, you're the problem. Cause, yeah. <laughs> cause Don Reed is not the problem you right. are. Cause he's just the best guy ever. Yes. And, uh, 
And so, yeah, any, any last thoughts or anything, uh, Christy, that you'd like to share? I mean, there's obviously a lot that could be said, but, and obviously your story is unique, you know, and we're not asking you to, you know, speak for all people that have struggled this way or whatever, but just, this is your part of your story and, um, and God's redeeming and working in it. And so I appreciate you sharing. Yeah. The only thing that popped into my mind when you were talking just a minute ago was a quote that I read where they did some studies on the best leadership strategies that emerged during COVID. And I, I'm a big leadership buff. I read leadership books. I love everything uh, about learning about how to do that in a godly way yeah. and the tension between that and how to do it in a secular way. I just get right, way down the rabbit hole in that. But so I was reading this article, a study on uh, the best leadership strategies that proved themselves in, in COVID and the number one leadership strategy and practice that proved most valuable to the most people was ask for help Hmm. when you need it in the ways that you need it at the time that you need it. And that has resonated in my mind. So if I would say help is available in this particular area, ask for help, ask the right people at the right time Hmm. in the right way. And if it doesn't work, retrace your steps and keep asking for help because yeah. there's help. Yeah. There's help. There's a lot of it. Not all of it's good. So that's the only thing I can think of. For sure. Yep. Well, I appreciate it. And thanks for being vulnerable yeah. and sharing with us. I, I appreciate it a ton. Sure. Thanks for joining us today on the House on Fire podcast. Please share this so others can be blessed by the conversation we had today. And we'll see you all next time. <laughs>